0: Good morning, peeps, and welcome to OKF Daily with me, your girl, Danielle Moody, recording from the home bunker. Folks, I have a jam packed legal show for you today with our friend Glenn Kirshner, host of Justice Matters and MSNBC legal analyst. Breaking news came out of Georgia with regard to Fonnie Willis and the grand jury that she had called in order to review and interview roughly 75 people, including Senator Lindsey Graham, who, if you all remember, tried his damnedest not to have to sit before the grand jury and answer any type of questions from Fonnie Willis and her team. Also, We heard from Raffensperger, the Secretary of State, who received the call for the Can You Find Me 11,700 and some odd votes, and Rudy Giuliani, among other cast of characters in the Trump Stop the Steal, who were trying to steal Orbit. Glenn will give us the details about, you know, what was missed in mainstream media news, but what we need to actually be keeping our eyes on. He will also give us some details into the latest round of convictions in the Oath Keepers trial, which is separate from the initial Oath Keepers trial that featured the founder, Elmer Stewart Rhodes. And so folks, What this episode lays out for me is that there is still a little bit, not a lot, but a little bit of hope in the way of Donald Trump and the architects of the insurrection being held criminally accountable for their crimes. Now, folks, I believe that we are going to see the scenario where Donald Trump is indicted by Fonnie Willis, apparently the only prosecutor that has a backbone in the whole of the United States that has evidence on Donald Trump, that if in fact she does go after and indict Donald Trump and Rudy Giuliani and others, that we may see for the first time in America's history, a couple of things. One a criminal indictment of a former president of the United States and that same former president of the United States while under indictment running for president of the United States. If this does not spell fucking banana Republic, I don't know what the fuck does because this is some shit, some messy ass political shit that you would hear about. In other nations and think to yourself, oh, that would never happen in America. America would never stand for it. Well, because Republicans don't stand for a fucking thing. Donald Trump was never impeached in the Senate, which gives him the ability to run for office again. And apparently we have no rules on the books that say that if you are currently indicted for a crime, that you can't run for office. Lord Jesus, take the wheel. So coming up next my jam packed conversation with our friend Glenn Kirshner to walk us through where we are on the road to indictment for Donald Trump, because folks, what we have seen is that, and I love this phrase that Glenn uses is that the boots of the insurrection, those people that were literally on the ground in the Capitol building are receiving penalties, but the people and the person that Pointed to the Capitol building and told them to go take their country back. The person that tweeted and got them to Washington DC in the first fucking place is still golfing in Mar-a-Lago while they're in federal prison. So something here just doesn't fucking seem right. So the question that we continue to ask on this show and everywhere is if the boots are going to be held responsible for the insurrection, when the fuck Will the suits be held responsible for their strategy, plan, and conspiracy to thwart a free and fair election? That conversation with our friend Glenn Kirshner is coming up next. Folks, you know that whenever I have the opportunity to chat with our friend, the host of Justice Matters and MSNBC legal analyst and former federal prosecutor, Glenn Kirshner, I am always thrilled. Um, Yet we never come with good news, but I'm always thrilled to just speak with you, Glenn, because, you know, you make me feel less crazy. Um, A lot of news has been circulating around in the legal sphere, and I want to start with Um, Fannie Willis in Georgia. I think that one of the things that still provides, I don't know, that mustard seed of hope I talk about often, um, is the possibility that Georgia Fulton County and the find me the 11,000 some odd votes, uh, call that Donald Trump made to state, uh, the, the secretary of state Raffensperger uh, the fake electors that that gives us probably about as close as we may see to an indictment of the architects around this quote unquote, stop the steal. So I want to give you an opportunity to just bring us up to speed on the latest that has come down out of Georgia. And frankly, how you are feeling, uh, with that breaking news.
1: Danielle, what we heard Fulton County District Attorney Fani Willis say in open court this week is the most concrete and direct thing we have ever heard a prosecutor who's investigating Donald Trump say about the likelihood of charges. I viewed this as an 11 on the legal Richter scale. I don't know that it got the play it deserves, but um, she said, so just to, to set it up, you got the funky two grand jury system in Georgia. The regular grand jury can indict people, but it can't issue subpoenas. The special grand jury can issue subpoenas, but it can not indict people. So mm-hmm. Fawny Willis ran 75 reluctant witnesses through the special grand jury. That grand jury then authors a report. Really, I believe the prosecutors authored the report and presented to the special grand jury for its approval, talking about Here's the evidence. Here's who committed crimes. Here's who who should be indicted. That report then goes back to the regular grand jury. They look at it. They absorb it. The prosecutors make their arguments. And then the regular grand jury indicts people if that's what it believes is the right thing to do. So the news, news media went into court and brought suit to try to get that grand jury report released publicly. Fawny Willis herself Not one of her assistant prosecutors went into court and said, judge, we strongly object to the report's release at this time because if it was released, that would interfere with the defendant's plural. She emphasized plural multiple times in the hearing with the defendant's right to a fair trial. Danielle, you don't become a defendant unless you're indicted. That was Fawny Willis communicating, people will be indicted. My second favorite word after defendants that Mm -hmm. Fonny Willis used was imminent. She said, judge and our charging decisions are imminent. Fawny Willis is no nonsense. She probably has all of the vertebrae and the strongest spine of all of the prosecutors who have looked at Donald Trump's crimes. And when she says defendants are coming and the charging decisions are imminent, I take it to the bank. I don't know if imminent means days or weeks, but I am I am convinced that Fonnie Willis has the goods and she's not afraid to use them and that we're going to see the first indictments of Trump and company coming from Georgia.
0: Okay, a couple of questions here. Uh, just to remind people what those what would those indictments, what would those charges be, Glenn? Um, because again, we we have been in this web of, of of potential legal charges for Donald Trump, what seems to be, well, frankly, my whole adult life because I live in New York. Um, but then uh, with regard to the stop the steal, the election, the documents, cases, blah, blah. blah. so tell us, just remind folks: if this indictment were to come down, one, what would the charges be? And then two, um, who do we think these defendants are? Because there again, you said there were a parade of people that came in. We know that uh Senator Lindsey Graham had fought tooth and nail not to sit before the grand jury. We know that Rudy Giuliani also fought tooth and nail not to sit before the grand jury. So tell us who the cast of potential characters in her defendants, plural, would be.
1: So, you know, the charges, uh, let let me take one as an example. Under Georgia state law, it is illegal to solicit election fraud, to ask uh, an election official or a state government official to engage in some form of election fraud. And all she has to do to pr- to um, prove that crime beyond a reasonable doubt is push play on the audio. I, we actually see, I worked wiretap cases, Danielle, and when you caught conspirators talking dirty on the phone about their drug deals, I call that a push play trial. You push play, the jurors hear the crime committed on audio tape. Soliciting election fraud under the laws of Georgia is a felony that I think will be one of the lead counts against Donald Trump. I urge people to read the Brookings Institute deep dive into all of the laws that the publicly available evidence suggests Donald Trump and others committed. They cataloged more than a dozen felony and misdemeanors alike Mm -hmm. um, that were violated arguably by what Trump and company did. The other big-ticket crime I think we're going to see indicted is conspiracy. Remember, Georgia has what I'll refer to as mini-RICO laws. You you have the federal RICO law, and then a lot of the states adopted their own versions of the RICO laws called mini-RICO laws. And Fawny Willis, there are some indications in the litigation and in the grand jury um, proceedings as they unfolded that she was perhaps using Georgia's RICO laws to go after this as a RICO crew, as a corrupt organization, Mm -hmm. as a group that was making a concerted effort to violate the Georgia state election laws in order to get Donald Trump uh, falsely, corruptly declared the winner of the presidential election in Georgia. So I think we might see a conspiracy charge together with the substantive charges of election, soliciting election fraud and others. Who is likely to be indicted, certainly Donald Trump, certainly Rudy Giuliani and Jenna Ellis. I say that because there's a lot of reporting about how they made false statements to Georgia state legislators trying to gin up these false claims of election fraud to try to undermine the election's results. I think they are likely defendants. And listen, Lindsey Graham, one of the star witnesses against Lindsey Graham, is Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, who has very publicly and openly, and I believe also to the grand jury, though Mm -hmm. we don't know precisely what he told the grand jury, he very openly has said, Lindsey Graham called me repeatedly. Mm -hmm. And what he was saying to me, I interpreted as Lindsey Graham urging me to toss out lawfully cast ballots. That's a quote from a Republican secretary of state about what a sitting Republican senator from another state, not even from Georgia, was urging him to do, commit election fraud, solicit election fraud. So if there is a justice God, and I think that remains an open question, <laughs> Lindsey Graham ought to be one of those names on the indictment. We'll have to see if Fawnie Willis is comfortable with the evidence she has supporting, including Lindsey Graham as a criminal defendant. I hope she has the goods. Based on public reporting, it looks like she might. And I hope she decides it's the right thing to do.
0: Now, let me ask you this, Glenn, um, because this is something that I have been curious about. So a couple of, uh, what was it, uh, late last year, Uh, the Trump organization by being prosecuted in New York was found guilty of 17 different charges, uh, and, and one of the biggest being all sorts of fraud, right? Do, does that type of conviction play into the character of the people that we are talking about? Meaning I know that Fonnie Willis has her own you know, slate of evidence as it pertains to the particular crimes that took place in Georgia. But Donald Trump has, and the Trump or, well, I should say the Trump organization with his name on it has been in, you know, has been charged and found guilty of fraud, right? So does that play in, or does that play in, in a legal sense or just in, People's minds.
1: Yes, that's a great question. It certainly plays in factors in when it comes to common sense. Our common sense,
0: right, right.
1: Does it factor in you know in in a legally exploitable way? Mm -hmm. The answer is generally no, because you know there's common sense and then there's legal sense, and rarely do those two things meet. Unfortunately, (laughs) here's where it does factor in. In a couple of ways. First of all, any information or evidence developed by one prosecutor in one jurisdiction can, and I'm sure will, be shared with other jurisdictions that are investigating the same people for similar crimes, because I think it's too important for you know the Department of Justice and the prosecutors in Georgia and the prosecutors in New York not to be communicating with one another about the evidence of crime that they're finding by Trump and his criminal associates. So it would be stupid and counterproductive if prosecutors weren't coordinating with one another to use and exploit in an appropriately legal sense Mm -hmm. evidence that the other jurisdiction has developed. Um, But it's not like if Donald Trump personally gets charged in both Georgia and New York, Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. not like the New York jury will be told, oh, and by the way, folks. He did some crimes down in Georgia, too, even if he had already been convicted of those crimes and was now on trial in New York. That evidence probably wouldn't come in into the New York prosecution unless a judge ruled that it was relevant somehow. It wasn't what we call uncharged misconduct that was likely to unduly prejudice the defendant's right to a fair trial. These are legal issues that would have to be litigated and sorted out. It may be that a judge rules, yeah, what he did in Georgia was so inextricably intertwined, that's a legal term, with the the crimes he committed in New York that a judge would rule they were relevant for certain purposes and therefore admissible at his New York trial. The other place it directly comes in is if you're convicted of a crime somewhere and you go to trial after you've been convicted and you take the stand and testify, you can be cross-examined with the prior crime you committed, you can be, it's called impeaching the witness with a prior conviction. And the law generally says, if you take the stand in your own defense at trial and you have criminal convictions in your past, those are admissible for the jury to use to decide whether you're telling the truth today. So they go to your credibility. Okay. Um, so those are the different ways that stuff does or doesn't factor in when it comes to multiple jurisdictions Finding crimes and trying people.
0: So to close the loop just on, on Georgia before we move on to Trump and company's other crimes, so give us your 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 hypothesis on a a timeline here, okay? So Fonnie Willis says imminently, right? You said we don't know if that is days or weeks. Let's say that uh, it's it's weeks. From the moment that an indictment comes down. How long are we going to an actual trial knowing that Donald Trump's main defense has always been to tap dance and run out the clock?
1: So there's good news and bad news. The, the bad news is criminal trials, once there's an indictment, once somebody's been charged and hauled into court for the first time and a trial date has been set, Criminal trials can take a while. I wouldn't expect a trial date to be set after Donald Trump has been indicted for between six months and a year out. That is just kind of a rule of thumb, how long it takes to get a case to trial. So the bad news is we'll still have to wait for a little bit. The good news is when we see Donald Trump forever running out the clock in litigation, right? Always trying Mm -hmm. to delay his day of reckoning. That can be done in civil cases, civil lawsuits. And that up to this point is the only thing we've seen Donald Trump involved in because he hasn't been charged criminally with anything. Right. But it can't be done in criminal cases. Why? Because as judges are making decisions on, you know, on motions, on what evidence can be admitted and all these decisions that have to be made in the run up to a criminal trial none of those are appealable. So a defendant cannot Ah, delay his trial date by filing these appeals that go up and down and up and down the appellate court chain the way you can in civil cases. The only time you can appeal anything, with a couple of very minor exceptions, the only time a defendant can appeal anything is after you've gone to trial, you've been convicted, you've been sentenced, your case is over. Over. Then you can file an appeal of your conviction. So Donald Trump cannot weaponize the delay in the court system in the criminal case the way he always has been able to do in a civil case.
0: Oh, that is good news, Glenn. Um, okay, so, so switching gears out of Georgia um, and 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 pulling back and looking at where what has happened recently with the uh, next slate of Oath Keepers, right? Um, a couple of weeks ago, uh, the last time that we had you on the show, we had the convictions come down of seditious conspiracy, uh, for the former founder of the Oath Keepers and two other people. Um, and then they had separate trials that were set up for the next slate. Um, tell us what happened with those cases and how, if at all, It is going to inform this sloth like department of justice and attorney general that is signaling to me and anyone who I think pays attention that he ain't doing not a goddamn thing as it pertains to going after Donald Trump and the architects of this crime. Because frankly, what I said the other day on Twitter, Glenn, is that I look at who is in the House of Representatives right now and realize that Merrick Garland is to blame for why these people have not been indicted for their involvement in the insurrection, knowing that many of those House members were in fact involved in the Stop the Steal rally and involved in giving recognizance towards to who would then become insurrectionists.
1: Yeah. Don't let me forget to talk about the sloth-like pace of the Department of Justice at the end of this answer. But I want to start with the Oath Keepers trial. Mm -hmm. So the first Oath Keepers trial was against five Oath Keepers, kind of some of the upper echelon of the Oath Keepers organization, including the the president, the leader, Elmer Stuart Rhodes, the guy with the eye patch, because as a firearms instructor, he shot his own eye out. You can't make that up. So Uh, Elmer Rhodes and his top Lieutenant Kelly Meggs were convicted of the lead charge, seditious conspiracy, the attempted violent overthrow of the government. And all five of those defendants were convicted of several other charges. Um, And that was the first seditious conspiracy conviction in more than a decade in the United States. These cases aren't often brought and when they are, they're not always successful. So that was actually a really big deal. Now then, and I I attended that entire seven week trial um, and the evidence was powerful. It was overwhelming, proved beyond a reasonable doubt the guilt of these five Oath Keepers. Then we went to um, part two of the Oath Keepers Mm -hmm. trial, four more defendants. And I didn't attend that trial. My again, my fellow uh, former colleagues and my friends were the prosecutors in that one as well. And the jury just hands down convicted all four of those Oath Keepers of seditious conspiracy and other charges related to the insurrection. And of course, the Proud Boys are on trial right now. And I would bet a buck, my betting limit, I'm not a high roller, I would bet a buck that they are all about to be convicted of seditious conspiracy as well. It's almost becoming routine that the federal prosecutors are indicting the boots of the insurrection for seditious conspiracy. Um, now, of course, the Department of Justice hasn't managed to rise above the boots of the insurrection. The people mm-hmm. that Donald Trump told to attack the Capitol and start to take on the suits of the insurrection. Yep. The suits are out there holding dinner parties and fundraisers and playing golf and you know committing any other number of crimes because they haven't been held accountable for any of their crimes. With respect to DOJ's, sloth-like pace. Here's what has me so upset. What the Department of Justice is doing by waiting now more than two years to hold accountable the suits of the insurrection, the people who organized, funded, orchestrated, and incited and directed the attack on the Capitol. What they have done is they've sent a powerful message that if you in the future try to Mm overthrow our democracy, let me tell you what's gonna happen. We're gonna give you a full two years and counting to come up with your next move, maybe to try to do it again, maybe to avoid accountability, maybe to tamper with witnesses, but we will give you a full two plus years to try to come up with your next move. That is law enforcement insanity, because you're not deterring crime. You're encouraging crime. This is something I don't understand from a department that I served for more than for nearly quarter of a century. This is not the way it worked when I was there. Right. I understand this is an unusual case, but frankly, there are more reasons to hold these people accountable immediately for trying to kill our democracy not less reasons so the sloth like pace i think every day works to the extreme detriment of the health and continued viability of our democracy
0: you know glenn i i i got to tell you you know i speak to so many legal folks and you know the other day uh I spoke with, uh, Ellie Mistel, uh, who is the justice correspondent for the nation. And Ellie said to me in no uncertain terms, Danielle, it ain't happening. He's like, I knew that when Merrick Garland was appointed to be attorney general, anyone else, Doug Jones, Sally Yates would have been the people that had the backbone and the fortitude to get this done, you know, and uh, we kept, Saying, oh, Merrick Garland just needs more time. But people knew based on the cases that he has overseen, based on the kind of person that he is, that if you wanted justice to be done and accountability to be delivered to the feet of Donald Trump and his minions, Merrick Garland wasn't the guy. And he also wouldn't have been the guy, apparently, to sit on this type of vicious Supreme Court either. Right, so I, I, I'm just. I wonder. I want to get your thoughts on that assertion, uh, by other friend of the show, Ellie Mistel.
1: Yes. Yeah, so first of all, I love Ellie, and I miss the days when he and I would sit around that round table with David Gura for an yes. hour, uh, up with oh, David yes. Gura, and it was so liberating because we got to talk about everything for the entire hour instead of just two or three minutes at a time, and I was not only informed by Ellie, but I was always amused because the, the, the dude, he, he is unique in his ability to inject humor with deadly serious information and make you laugh and learn at the same time. My hat's off to Ellie. Um, <laughs> yes. And I I can't disagree with his observations that because it hasn't happened yet, there is a sense that it ain't never going to happen. I did I still think it's going to happen. Justice has been delayed. Will it be entirely denied? I I don't think so, and here's why. Merrick Garland has obviously turned out to be not the right man for the moment, right? He has not risen to meet the urgency of the moment, as we just discussed because tomorrow's Mm -hmm. aspiring dictator will have years to plan his next move after he tries to overthrow our democracy. That's a significant failing of Merrick Garland's Department of Justice. However, I still don't believe, and I know so many of the people who work there, i worked with so many of them, I still don't believe that they have reached the conclusion that we're prepared to give our democracy away to Donald Trump and to whoever rises up in Donald Trump's image next, because they will be giving it all away if they don't hold Trump and and Jeffrey Clark and John Eastman and Rudy Giuliani and Bannon and Flynn and Stone and Jenna Ellis and, and Sidney Powell and I could go on and on and on, accountable for trying to unlawfully and unconstitutionally overturn our democracy. Because if they decide, we're not going to charge those people for those crimes. They will, in fact, have given our democracy away. I I still, in my heart of hearts, can't conceive of a scenario or a reason that they would reach the conclusion, we're giving our democracy away. We're done here. I just don't, I don't see a declination of charges. Okay. They've taken too long. They will come too late. Maybe not too late to save our democracy for the time being. I Listen, maybe one of the best things, and I would love to chat with Ellie about this, maybe one of the best things that happened is these matters were taken out of Merrick Garland's hands when he appointed Jack Smith. Now, I am not prepared to sing Jack Smith's praises and call him a hero because we had Mueller, we had Garland, now we have Jack Smith. How many times are you going to fool us? But I do think Jack Smith, given his credentials, his bona fides, his body of work, the guy goes after politicians, left, right and center, brings the hard cases, wins some, loses some, has gone after war criminals. I mean, if ever there was a prosecutor who seems to be up to the task, right? And he has proven that he has done things moving at 100 miles an hour that Merrick Garland never did, but he should have done 18 months ago. So listen, if that's a little bit of hope, because now it Mm -hmm. is in Jack Smith's hands. If he gets it right, great. If he gets it wrong, we're losing our democracy.
0: Is there, last question for you, Glenn, is there a scenario? I And I, oh my God, I don't even want to say it, but I'm going to say it. Is there a scenario where charges are brought for Joe Biden and Donald Trump to have this perception of oh we go after everybody like is because again the justice department you know Mueller report said we don't indict sitting presidents documents documents cuz the media is not making any uh any distinction between the crime that Donald Trump committed and the mistake that Joe Biden and now Mike Pence may have committed. Yeah,
1: first of all, as much as I disagree with the Department of Justice Policy, the OLC, Office of Legal Counsel memo that says you can't indict a sitting criminal president, you know, that's what kept Donald Trump out of hot water, plus a corrupt attorney general, Bill Barr. As much as I disagree with that memo, because I think it moves us in the direction of being a banana republic, Um, Joe Biden, based on that memo, can't be indicted. Certainly not while he's president. I don't embrace that. I don't celebrate that. I don't think Joe Biden committed crimes based on the available evidence, you know, right. You know, Joe Biden and now Mike Pence went through their stuff for whatever prompted by what we don't know precisely found things that they shouldn't have. And immediately both of them, I'm no fan of Mike Pence. But both of these people said, okay, we found stuff that shouldn't be in our papers. Please take them, National Archives, DOJ. We need to let you know. Come in and search. Do what you need to do. There's no criminal intent there. There may not even be a criminal act, but those are not prosecutable cases. And Merrick Garland, in his zeal to be perceived as fair and even handed to everyone, he's not going to say, well... If we're going to charge Donald Trump, then we have to charge Mike Pence and Joe Biden, too, to give the superficial appearance of fairness. That's not fairness if Mike Pence and and, and Joe Biden didn't commit crimes. It's an abuse of power. So I I am Mm. less worried about that. But, Danielle, it feels like today we need to worry about everything.
0: (laughs) That's what I'm saying. That's Uh, what I'm saying. So I'm like, while in a normal uh, a, a society that would seem like something we don't need to worry about. Nothing surprises me in America today. Uh, as always, Glenn, I appreciate your thorough, thorough look into where we are uh, in the march to indictment. And it looks like once again, all eyes are on Georgia. So whenever that comes down, <laughs> we will want to be with you immediately. So appreciate Great you, Great talking
1: friend. with you, Danielle.
0: That is it for me today, dear friends on Woke AF. As always, power to the people and to all the people power. Get woke and stay woke as fuck. right rug flooring.
1: Awards Watch says Liam Neeson is at his best. Don't miss In the Land of Saints and Sinners.